Left. Right. Yo, what is it, my friends and fans of Sip Talk? Tonight we are talking about narcissism. Narcissism is a tricky, touchy subject. I think everybody's a little narcissistic, but uh, either way, I think we have we bring a lot to the table with this conversation. We have a lot of fact. Uh, we get a little call in and uh, we get some comments that we address. Let me know what you think about narcissism. If you have personal experience with narcissists or being a narcissist, if you are self-aware enough, let us know. Shoot me a comment. Shoot me a DM. Uh, let me know what's up and I'll see you guys on the other end. Thanks uh, as always for joining us. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 All of our live streams are on. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and uh, in each other's living rooms on, on Zoom. Actually, I'm not in your living room. You're in your bedroom. I'm in my basement. This is Sip Talk, episode 135. My name is Justin DiGiulio out of my basement, New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnia Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a philosopher, an accountant, a referee, and a bartender, all in the professional sense in the credentialed sense, some of those accounts. Um, we got some cool stuff to talk about today. I don't know necessarily your philosophy background is gonna come into play so, so much, but we're talking about narcissism. I have a feeling we can get into narcissism pretty deep. Um, and, and I'd like to bring some guests on, maybe some actual psychologists and, uh, you know, maybe some people can share their own stories about what's happened to them in relationships with narcissists, or maybe they are narcissists and they're aware of it and, uh, and they're either working on it or, or not working on it. Maybe they've lost relationships because of their narcissism, but we got to get started. James. What's up? How's it going? Um, well, now that the internet is temporarily fixed by virtue of T-Mobile, now things are good. Now things are flowing. Um, what are you drinking down there? So I've got a Bush Ice, but I've also got a Bush Ice Michelada. Well, that looks awfully dark. Yeah, I, I so I used Lefty O'Doul's Bloody Mary Mix, and I added in some black pepper, some horseradish, and some Tabasco, and some sriracha. What what percentage of the uh, Bloody Mary to beer did you throw in there? Because that looked like a pretty heavy pour, the Bloody Mary mix. Uh, probably eight or nine to one. Maybe like seven or eight to one. Seven or eight to one, meaning seven beer, one Bloody Mary. Yeah. Okay. So, right. Well, I don't know, because like I had it probably up to about here okay. in terms of the mix. Yeah, just a... So for those of you who aren't familiar with what a michelada is, it's beer and, and hot sauce or beer. And James has got a, a Bloody Mary mix with some hot sauce and some other additives in there. If, uh, if you like tomato-flavored beverages, <laughs> you'll like that. And uh, if you're not crazy about tomato-flavored beverages, some people just throw in some hot sauce there and uh, still very good that way. 
I'm, uh, there's I'm, an infinite number of recipes for michelada. Some of them are more lime heavy, but I find that it's just like, it takes all the aspects that you like about beer and all the aspects that you like about savory and spicy and mixes the two together. Yeah, and without without it being too tomatoey like a Bloody Mary, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I'm finishing off the rest of this Glenfiddich 18. And uh, if you if you haven't noticed, which I'm sure you haven't, but behind me, still working on painting the basement. This is the new white. I don't know what it is. Same about. as the old white. No, this is the old white down here. This is it's a not it's not it's not the same color white, and uh, it looked. It looked pretty dingy. I don't know what it is about uh, the colors they used to use in older houses, but but white was never. It was always some weird off white, these weird yellowy colors. You know, I look at like public buildings, and I look at the colors that they're painted, and these are the colors that you would find like when you go to Home Depot and there's like the Oops paint. You know, you can get like the Oops paint. It's like fifty dollar, you know, bare paint or you know whatever high high brand of paint but somebody mix match the colors and it's a goofy shade of blue or a, a lime green or something and they're selling it to you for five bucks because nobody has any use for it are you familiar with that that mm-hmm. selection of paint well they're usually really ugly fucking colors it's very seldom you'll stumble upon a decent color but i feel like when they paint these public buildings like look at look at the color a lot of schools are painted usually uh, they're not very nice looking colors. You know, you're not going to find that, that hue or that shade well, of color. I think in, what you're seeing design magazine. is that a lot of those buildings are, were constructed in like the sixties or seventies back when those color tones and styles were modern and current. And now we look back and I'm like, that, that's just ugly. Well, but yeah, to me, it looks like that oops paint that you would get at home Depot, but you're not going to buy, you know, 300 gallons of that paint to paint a school with it. So I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but back up. in the 70s, that was what was cool. Yes, and but they've, but they've repainted many of these establishments. And I, I'm curious, that's that's got to be somebody's got to sign off on that on that shade. Right. Like, it's not like the, they're like, I mean, somebody's got to sign off on the color at some point. Right. Yeah. But who cares? I care. I think color affects you. You know, when we. When we opened in, <laughs> this is really fucked up. Actually, maybe it's not. But when we opened the first real estate office, I, I wanted to paint it lavender because I had heard that it's like a common color. And when you're interfacing with customers a lot, sometimes people can get a little pissed off and it's a soothing, calming color. So I went with a lavender color, came back, painted the walls, and I knew it was a little pur- more purple than I would have liked it to have been. And uh, once I finished and it dried, it was like straight Barney purple. So then I had to repaint it and I painted it almost like a pinky colored lavender. And that was like that for a year. And then we just painted it like steel gray or something. But yeah, our office was pink and purple for, uh, for the first year that we were open. <laughs> the things color, you learn. Color is important. Color is important. Let's talk about narcissism a little bit. I got to gotta move my mic around so it's in front of my mouth here. Ideally, it should be closer to my glass of booze. So if you guys are watching, listening, if you're watching in, uh, in real time, we'd like to know if you have some history of dealing with narcissists, whether that's in relationships or uh, are you just no narcissist? Maybe you work with narcissists. Narcissism is a personality, personality disorder 
that when it is true narcissism, it can at first be very difficult to detect. Narcissists tend to be super charismatic and they want to win you over. Relationships and gaining relationships, building relationships can almost be like a game to them. And they're very difficult to have true authentic relationships with, but they can really fuck you up. And uh, anybody who's been in a relationship with a narcissist certainly understands the fact that have you behavior. looked up the DSM-5 criteria for narcissism? Um, I, I would be happy for you to share that with me. That's what I've got pulled up right now. Okay. It's just uh, mobile internet is struggling. Uh, yeah, you, you're, things are not good uh, down, down there with the internet situation. No, uh, no, it's not great. So I have a list of some narcissistic traits, but... Uh, what was the establishment you just cited? The DSM-5? Uh, DSM-5 is like the psychology handbook okay. for diagnostic criteria of pretty much any psychiatric disorder. Okay, we got a comment on TikTok from Jess saying, I like oops colors. <laughs> so there's two reasons you could like oops colors. Well, there's three reasons. One, and I'm sorry, Jess, you don't have any taste or sense in, in color. Two, you're really cheap. Or three, and I'm hoping this is the case, Jess, you're just really lucky. You happen to stumble up to that oops, oops shelf at Home Depot, and there happen to be some really nice looking colors there. And you just hang on just a second. All right. I, I certainly can. So for those of you guys just joining on Instagram and TikTok, we're talking about narcissistic relationships. I'm sorry, Jess, if I hurt your feelings about the about the paint colors, but I really hope you're lucky because uh, that's the goal. When you hit the oops counter, the paint counter at Home Depot and you, and you go to that oops shelf, you're really aiming to find something that is a really nice color. And you can get lucky. And I've gotten lucky. I've bought in some oops paint before, but for the most part, they're pretty atrocious colors. Uh, and, and you understand why people are, are not purchasing them. All right. Looks like James is back in the Sienna shirt. Welcome back, James. All right. So did you pull that DSM-5? All right, so lay it on me, brother. All right, so DSM-4, I think, is a little bit... Uh, which one's easier to understand? Uh, you know, we'll go with DSM-5 because that's the most recent. What's the, what's the differentiation between DSM-4 and DSM-5? Just they, they periodically update their manual based on whatever research they've conducted to get to what they think is a more accurate diagnosis. I'm not really mm -hmm. sure. I'm not a psychologist. But so... Narcissistic personality disorder, A. All right, so on. The essential features of personalities are impairments in personality functioning and presence of pathological psycho, uh, personality trait. To diagnose this disorder, following criteria must be met. Okay, a. So hold up, hold up. Let's, let's differentiate here because we're here to talk about two things. We're here to talk about narcissistic person, nar, is it narcissism, per, narcissistic personality disorder? Or narcissist. And, well, yeah, and well, there's narcissism, there's the personality disorder, and then there's egocentrism. Okay, so, but, so but what I'm trying to draw the line between right now is you're about to read these off is narcissism versus the personality disorder. So this yeah. is the most severe. I think it affects 1% of the population. I don't know what the, uh, the affected right, well, amount uh, so, is. But so significant impairments in personality fun um, functioning manifest by A or B. 
excessive reference to others for self-definition and self-esteem regulation, exaggerated self-appraisal may be inflated or deflated or vacillate between extremes. Emotional regulation mirrors fluctuations in self-esteem. So what that's really basically saying is that like you're putting your worth in the opinions of others and your emotional regulation is going to be based on how you think others perceive you. Um, so that's identity, self-direction. Goal setting is based on gaining approval from others. Personal standards are unreasonable high, unreasonably high in order to see oneself as exceptional or too low based on a sense of entitlement, often unaware of your own motivations. So you need to have one of the two of those, but chances are you're going to have both. And then you also need to have impairments in personal functioning, either A or B, empathy, impaired ability to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others, excessively attuned to the reactions of others, but only if perceived as relevant to self, over or underestimate your own effect on others. Over or underestimate your, your own effect on others. So that's empathy and B is intimacy. Relationships are largely superficial and exist to serve self-esteem regulation. Mutuality constrained by little genuine interest in others' experiences and predominance of a need for personal gain. So let's boil that down. When it comes to empathy, you don't really care about what others are going through and you're only attuned to other people's feelings if they have some relevance to yourself and your actions and intimacy basically what that's saying is that you can't have true relationships and they're never mutual because all of your relationships are structured in a way that you're going to you're trying to make them for your own personal gain so no. I'm almost there. Okay. That's one and two. So now we got pathological personality traits in the following domain. Antagonism characterized by grandiosity, feelings of entitlement, either overt or covert, self-centeredness, firmly holding on to the belief that one is better than the others, condescending towards others, and attention-seeking, ex excessive attempts to attract and be the focus of attention of others, admiration-seeking. Three more to go, and we'll get through these quick. Um, impairments no, say, personality. No, I, you're 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 very welcome to take your time because I want to dissect each of these. But I okay, have you well, let, all right, let's go list. through this. All right, then we'll go through B. Antagonism characterized by grandiosity and attention seeking. So grandiosity, you're feeling you're entitled to things and that you're better than others, and that you're the center of the universe. You're the center of your world. Firmly holding on to the belief that you're better than others and you're condescending towards others. So look, so I actually made a I made a post on TikTok today, and it some sometimes I put a post out there, it gets a, a decent you know a decent audience and it spreads a little bit. Sometimes I throw one out there and it doesn't. This one didn't go very far, but I read some of the comments and people were not happy with me. And the basics of the of the post that I threw up today was if everybody is special then nobody is special because if everybody is special the definition of the word special evaporates as we get closer to everybody the definition of special well, disappears yeah. so and and I said look I don't want to hurt people's feelings and I'm not talking about people who are special 
like short bus special. I mean, I mean, the fact that we have society telling everybody that they are exceptional, they are winners, they are number one, and they're super special. And we have society thinking that each person individually is this super special person. So this, we're, we're giving everybody this grandiose sense of self-worth and, and telling everybody they're special. But I don't know necessarily that that's a trait that's going to help people in life. No, it, it probably isn't. Um, but you need to get, everybody needs to find their own sense of motivation. Yes, I actually, I have that in, uh, we'll talk about that when I get to the coping tactics for dating or being with a narcissist. And, and so I think, and the reason that I'm getting into this is because I, uh, I feel like narcissism is on the rise. And I feel like to a degree, almost. Why? Like, Why is it? Well, because we're giving everybody this sense that they are exceptional. Where does that come from? We're drilling. It come, I, think it, I actually think it comes from parenting. So I disagree. The generation before us, their parents like started to tune in with what was going on with kids. The, the generation before them, they had kids, but you know, the kids were just kind of this extremity. Uh, but now we have overprotective parents, parents that, that want their kids to be to basically live in bubbles. And they want, to, they want to tell their kids how extremely special they are, giving them Kanye West syndrome, where his mom told him how special he was the dude basically thinks he's walking Jesus today. All right. Well, hang on. Let's just, uh, first let's say hi to Maria. It's good to have her back. What's up, Maria. Thank you for joining us. Uh, hi to everybody who's watching live. It's nice to have you guys. We want to know about your experiences with narcissism and dating narcissists. Are you a narcissist? Have you had to break up with a narcissist? Are you currently with a narcissist? Well, and especially so to the point that you just asked is I, I want people to respond to these two questions. One is, do you think that there are more narcissists out there today? And two, what do you think the cause of that is if you think that it's more prevalent? Well, so I'll, you seem to have a thought in your mind, but I'll tell you, I I'll do. T- I'll, I'll tell you what I think is up because I think. Like I said, I think almost everybody is a bit narcissistic. And I think that's because everybody is being told that they feel special. I think social media is definitely uh, helping perpetuate the problem. I don't think it's necessarily causing it, but the fact that- That's where we disagree. Everybody has their own webpage and and, that makes them feel very special um, and they can build up their fake reputation online. I, I- I have to come to grips on a very regular basis because sometimes I realize that people research me before they come in and meet me in person. And what people find online is vastly different than what it's like being with me in person. And also my life is kind of vastly different than anything that you would see on, on Instagram or Facebook. I'm a pretty normal dude sitting in my basement surrounded by uh, plastic 12 foot by 12 foot plastic, uh, sheets that are that I had to 
uncover the computers tonight because I was painting down here. All right. Uh, so Juan, let's let's think about this. But, but you, you touched here, on something. Here, here's where I'm going, is that I feel like everybody has this exaggerated sense of, of self-worth. And I don't think necessarily for everybody it's a problem. The way that I look at it is very comparable to eating disorders, right? They've been on the rise for a while. Now, some people don't have eating disorders. Some people can eat as much as they want and they don't gain any weight. But for the vast majority of people, it's getting to them or they have to actively cope with it. So I think I'm a little narcissistic, but I, I try to be aware of when I'm being narcissistic and, and cope with it. Just like if you, you know, if you buy a pack of Oreos, if I'm not paying attention or not actively thinking about it, I'll just eat all the Oreos probably within an hour and a half, maybe faster. If I'm drunk, I'll definitely eat two lines of Oreos. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm curious. I'm curious what your thoughts are. And, and you're a non-social media user. Uh, yeah. So my bias hey, before, is already before, exposed, but. Hit, hit Cleo there. What's up, Cleo? Thank you for joining us. Sorry. Go so ahead. You brought up the point that everyone has their own personal website. Not only. So not every way, because I don't. But everyone could have their own personal website through Facebook and not only is it their own personal website where people can comment and talk to them, but it's a website where it continually grows and feeds you the content that it has learned that you like to see. So that's true. If you only care about yourself, you now have a website that you can go to that is literally all about you it's people talking to you and commenting to you so, and even if you're not getting comments or, or feedback from people the website itself is feeding things to you that it thinks that you will like and it's probably right well that to it's totally right i think it, now you're you're not a big social media guy no, but I'm not. I think, no, 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 you're not stating it correctly. <laughs> yeah, you're not into social media at all. You having a Twitter page and being on a podcast. I think a, that social media is the single worst invention of the last 20 years. I, I begrudgingly use it because I, I find a lot of, uh, I think there's a decent amount of use for it, especially with, with what I do. And it, You're and it in a different me, world than I am. And, true, but it also helps me keep in touch with people. Uh, which I try to do on a pretty regular basis. That's one thing that I do like about it. But here's a good question I have when it comes, and, and, and I, I want anybody who's listening or watching this to ask this question to themselves. How much time do you spend on your own profile page? So when you go to Instagram and you look at, and you, know, and you, and you just log in, are you just scrolling through other people's posts? Are you looking at your page? Um, you know, I'd like to go online. You're feeding I, into my argument. Okay, fair enough. But but that's what I'm saying. I like to go online. I like to, you know, I'm, I'm, if I see somebody I know and they've posted something, almost always I like it because I think it's, it's you know, you want to support your friends. You know, I scroll also through hit a up bit. the comments from Genevieve. Okay. Oh, all right. Uh, she said, point is, I like to post. Uh, hold up, hold up. Here, here at being the narcissist that I'm, out, I want to finish. I want to finish my thought. I like to. I like to produce a little content and share a little content, and I like to consume a little content. But I try to avoid 
looking at my own page as much as possible. Just like when I get up in the morning, I try to avoid, I don't try. I just don't look in the mirror very much. Like some people brush their teeth. They stick the toothbrush in their mouth. They stare at themselves in the mirror. That's that to me is like, I just, you know, when I, when I, when I don't have to piss and I'm, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm like, uh, what am I going to do? Let me do some of my left hand. I don't know. Uh, so Genevieve on Facebook says, yes, there are many, there are more narcissists today and not sure what the leading reason is, but social media is definitely fueling the fire. And I said, agreed any experience. And she said, with a narc, <laughs> yes, the worst type of person I've dealt with to date. And I don't know if she means to date as in to the present date or if no, 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 no. She means as in dating a narcissist is the worst person to date. Well, and I she's actually, probably right. Yeah. So, uh, and actually Rosh made a good point. I, I actually don't have to look in the mirror because my face doesn't change. I don't have any hair. I don't style the hair. I do have to shave my head, but I only kind of look at the top of my head when I'm getting finished, but um, Yo, when no I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, I'm usually watching a video of some bullshit on YouTube or whatever. And my hair, like, I don't, I, I work from home. Who the fuck cares? But like, <laughs> even when I would have to go out, like, I usually shower right before I go to sleep. So like, whatever my hair decided to do overnight, that's what's going to happen the next day. Well, I think the point is how much time you spend consumed with yourself. That's a very big factor. So I, uh, did you, are, are, do we have more DSM-5? That was pretty much it. Um, I want to I want to draw a distinction between egocentrism and narcissism. All right. Because there, there, it's actually a really important difference, and I I just learned this because I didn't know an hour ago. Um, mm -hmm. Egocentrism is the inability to perceive other people's feelings and to see the perspective of others, whereas narcissism is the ability to do so, but feeling that you are just better than them and you don't care. Okay. Interesting. It's like egocentrism is like, if you had the ability, you might be different, but like for whatever reason, it's virtually impossible for you to even be able to think about perspectives other than your own. Whereas narcissism, it's, you can understand perspectives other than your own and you just don't care about them because well, yours is better. Yours is better because you have this grandiose sense of, of self-worth. Um, uh, if Genevieve wants to join us, I'd love to have her on. Well, Rosh can always throw the, uh, that link in the, in the Facebook chat. Um, you, so if you guys are listening live, you I can would love to hear about why, why a narcissist was the worst person to date. <laughs> to date, to date. Um, yeah, but getting somebody to come on is uh, that's tough. You got to be kind of be down to come on. Um, so so here, here's what I got. Number one is the, the grandiose sense of self-worth. And I think I think a lot of people have this. But again, you can't just have that and be a narcissist. Well, I don't want to make this political, but basically, if you look at Donald Trump, you basically have the DSM five criteria. <laughs> personified no that's that's very true that's very true so just intrinsically believing as a core value that you are more important than others is is a big factor um and then a preoccupation with delusions of unlimited success power brilliance 
or beauty. So you may not believe. So you're going through. You're basically hitting the DSM four criteria, which are still good. So you're you may not believe that you are the most beautiful, but you may you may believe that you are on the path to the the being the most beautiful, or you occupy the top percentile of beautiful people, um, or successful people, or powerful or brilliant, whatever whatever that may be. Um, and again, that's what I have with that's the issue I have with telling everybody they're important or successful or a winner or special or giving trophies to every single player and every single team, which we were, we all got trophies. Yep. We were kind of first generation to get the trophies. And I remember like realizing that these have no value at all. These trophies have no value. They just kind of signified that you did it, that you, you were like on the team. Um, all right. Enjoying just the audio. I'm, re- I'm replying to Genevieve and anybody else that wants to join, let me know. We'll make sure we get you a link. Again, we're talking about narcissism. Um, all right. So preoccupations with delusions of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty. Uh, and next one is belief that you are unique or special. Um, and that you can only be understood by other pe- people that are just as unique or just as special. You're hitting the DSM four. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Cool. I, I, I at least I'm, I'm on uh, par with something here. Um, the next I got is the need for admiration. Yep. You, uh, you have to, you, uh, your self-worth uh, is very much, uh, what's what's tied to the opinions and 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 approval of others? Exactly. So it depends on the on the opinions and approval of others a hundred percent. Now yep. you know you're important, but you need to you need the reassurance constantly. Exactly. Um, and because you're important, you have a sense of entitlement. Because mm-hmm. important people get what they want, and important people are handed things. And because you're important, you deserve things. Not everybody yep. else deserves what you deserve, but you deserve to be respected. You don't need to be waiting in lines. You deserve special treatment, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, exploitative behavior. Yep. Now, be, because you deserve these things, but oftentimes because they may not exactly be being handed to you, you need to exploit. However, exploiting comes very easy to you because you are a master manipulator Mm -hmm. and being able to exploit people is i i feel like it it must come that much more easily to somebody who has this grandiose sense of self-worth because they come they're more charismatic they're more confident and oftentimes if good looking or well taken care of well yeah but it's also that the ethical considerations are very easily thrown out the window because you're more important than these people so exploiting them for your own ends is much easier to do because you don't you're not considering the consequences or how these people are going to feel because they're not as important as you Exactly, which is 
my next point, the lack of empathy. Yep, it ties hand in hand. Exactly. Because others aren't as important as you, their feelings don't matter as much. And they simply can't understand because they're not on the same level as you. So it's not necessarily that their feelings don't matter, but if they understood it the way you did, they would understand their feelings don't yeah. matter. I want to I want to tie something back. I just came up with this analogy in my head. Um, the difference between narcissism and egocentrism. So if you think about egocentrism is like a blindness to the feelings of others, whereas narcissism is you recognize it, you just don't care because you're more important. Mm -hmm. So think about it like somebody who's walking through like a crowded subway station or a crowded bar or something like that. Now, if you've got someone who's blind, who can't really see, and they, they're trying to get from one end of the room to the other, and they bump into other people. You're just like, well, I mean, they're trying, but they ran into people because they, they can't see them. It's not a function that they that they have. Yeah. That's, Whereas that's if you're egocentrist. Yes. And if you've got someone who can see perfectly well and just barges through everybody and pushes people out of the way, that's a narcissist. Yeah. And I, I because the other people don't matter. Yep. Because you're very important. Um, so, Keep going. Well, I, uh, and then. Oh, so here's a good one. Belief that others are envious of them. Yep. And yeah, uh, by the way, we're like, I, I have to just keep on drawing this back because every time I you describe one of these, I just think of like every single one of these describes Trump to like, like if you were to draw, if you wanted to draw up the person to embody all of these traits, you would get Trump. Well, you think of Trump, but I'm, you know, I think of X. I can't think of anybody else. Who, <laughs> well, who do you think of other than that? I don't, I, I don't want to give specifics. We're, we're on air. <laughs> this is not a recorded. celebrity. I, no, I mean, I'm thinking more personal and things that I've dealt with. So speaking of personal, we have Genevieve on the line. Uh, she's going to share a little bit. And uh, I'm curious, I'm curious what she's got to share. Cause she, based off the Facebook comments, it sounds to me like she feels pretty passionate. Those of you guys who are watching on TikTok or watching on Instagram, let us know if you want to join. We will send you the link. You can join by audio. You don't have to be on video. If, uh, if you're looking good, we'll bring you on video, but it's up to you. It's your call. Uh, all right, so we're going to bring Genevieve in. We'll give her a second to set up her audio. Um, and once she's on, I'm curious what she has to share. But I can tell you in having dated narcissists and spent a lot of time in business with narcissists. It is one of the most frustrating things to deal with and, and navigating around them or in the same space as them is incredibly difficult. Uh, it looks like Genevieve's online, but I don't think her audio is set. So we got to wait for her audio and we're uh, getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. All right. Genevieve, can you hear us? I see your audio just, uh, just clicked in. Yes, I, it took me forever to figure out how, but I got it working. I think that's the issue that we have most of the time. Is Excellent. We can hear you. Glad to have you on. All right. Thanks for having me. So, so tell us what's up. So you said uh, that, uh, let me just read your last comment here, is uh, the worst type of person I've dealt with to date. And I, <laughs> we were curious if you meant to, to the present date or to be dating. Both, actually. <laughs> um, to date, and actually, my son's father is a narcissist. Okay, and uh, and can you share what it's like being some of your personal experience with that? Well, when I tuned in and I started listening, and I heard the word narcissist, 
a bell rung. I was like, oh, yes, this is a common topic of discussion in my life. Okay, so you so you knew you've already defined that he was a narcissist. Yeah, and actually, after listening to you guys, I didn't realize there was a difference between like narcissism and then the actual personality disorder. Do you think he meets the criteria that we've thrown out there? Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. tell us a little bit about it. Um, in the fact that he absolutely cannot understand how things he does makes other people feel. Okay. Is it that he doesn't understand or he doesn't care? See, that's the part that I was going to ask, how could you possibly diagnose that? Because they could say that they do understand and they do get it because that's what, you know, people say, but does well, he really understand it? But the, cl the classic trait in being a narcissist is the manip manipulation. And if you, if you tell them that's important to you, that they understand, they're going to tell you that they understand. And, exactly. and, then, they're, and then effectively tell you how they're doing their best and basically kind of parlay that discussion for another time and continue with their bad behavior. But oftentimes when you're dating a narcissist, they are super charming to begin with, because again, they're looking to win that relationship. They're looking to win over your friends, your family, everybody they're going to have be in contact, uh, especially in the early stages. But oftentimes, and I don't know your particular situation, but for many narcissists, it's very difficult to find that true connection. Yeah, and it, no, oftentimes, it is. It oftentimes feels like for the other party that there's always something lacking. When did you realize that you were dating a narcissist? What, what tripped your brain to say, this is what's going on? Um, okay, so I can definitely vouch for charming because even to this day, when people first meet him, they almost don't understand like anything that I've said about him and the things that he's done and the things that he's said. They, they almost can't believe what I say because of how charming he is and how accommodating and... So that part was definitely there. Um, for exact moment when I realized, I, I you can ballpark it. Yeah, I have to think. So while you're thinking about that, one question that you asked that got me thinking, but I've got a quick answer for you, is how do you tell the difference between a narcissist and an egocentrist? How do you test for that? Right. I would think that when you pose a situation to them, that involves the reaction of others and looking for empathy would be for an egocentrist. If you say you take this action and they have this reaction to them, to that, an egocentrist would probably respond with surprise because they, they can't comprehend other people's reactions. Whereas a narcissist wouldn't be surprised. They would be more along the lines of, yeah, but that doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Or, or yes. they would, yes. or they would employ some manipulation. So, either one, like, yeah, sure. I want to get into a bit of gaslighting. So I understood gaslighting five, six, seven years ago to mean something completely different. I just happened to see it in some of the stuff I was reading today. And what gaslighting is now, and the way that I've heard it being used recently, means to make someone doubt their sense of reality. 
that's always been the case. That's that's always I, what it's meant. Well, there used to be a bar downtown called Gaslight and the Meatpack. I don't know. I, yeah, no, no. Gaslighting has always been the psychological technique of trying to get somebody else to doubt their own perceptions of things, so that way you can have something over on them. So now I think oftentimes what narcissists are really good at is is almost to a degree keeping you below them right? Like they're constantly making sure that they're on top, they're more important, and making sure that you know their place so that you can respect their importance. But and here's, here's what I think is, and Genevieve, you might you might experience you may have experienced this, they're really good at giving you small doses of making you feel special, very special in that moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. So almost like celebrating you, making you feel really special, really important, uh, especially when they know like you're about to hit the door. Yep. Yep. It almost makes you feel like you're crazy because like one minute you're noticing something that seems totally wrong to you. And then the next minute it's like, oh, but he's doing that. And this is, this is okay. And yeah, so I can definitely see that. And the thing is, when you're with a narcissist, it's really difficult to break up with them or distance yourself from them because you get, you get, we, you become part of their world and you think that they're important and that by being with them, you're important and that you guys together are very important. And there's a lot of constant, not, I wouldn't say beratement, but almost it might start off by them picking on you a little bit, but it might become incessant where they're constantly kind of picking on you and, and bringing you down a little bit, but telling you how you can make yourself better. Um, and, uh, and you tend to lose focus on yourself. Your thoughts, Genevieve? Um, yeah, I mean, well, for me, I'm a little bit strong-headed, so it didn't take much for me to realize that something was off, but to finally leave is a different story. Um, I could see certain personality types sticking around for a very long time um, because of those reasons, because it's, it's, it's kind of like it's the manipulation and the, the non-stop thinking that you have to stay with them because they just like add little things in there and they make you think that you need to do things even though you might not but you but you typically really value their opinion and and again because they narcissists can come off as so charismatic you're oftentimes trying to win someone over who has this level of charisma and if if you do the right things they make you feel special all right, James, you, you got to run for a second. All right, J James is uh, James got to run and apparently flip over his microphone. But Genevieve, I really appreciate you calling. Uh, can I ask how long you were with uh, this narcissistic person? Um, for approximately two and a half years. Two and a half years, long enough to share a child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you still have to deal with this person who's a narcissist. I assume. Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you find navigating that territory difficult or do you think you have figured it out by now? It's still extremely difficult and we haven't been together in 
years. Yeah, because my okay. son is sick, so it's been quite some time. But yes, it's still very difficult. Okay, have you found some coping? Because I have a couple of notes on some coping coping mechanisms. Um, have you found some of your own already? Um, I feel the best thing for me, which didn't happen until somewhat recently, is actually talking to other people that have been abused, because that's what it is. It's actually, you go through abuse with somebody that's a narcissist. It's not just dealing with somebody with a mental illness. Well, and, and I think, and I, I'm gonna, I'm about to get into that in a minute, is where it transcends them having a personality disorder and it becoming abuse towards you right uh, and it, and it and it can very easily be abusive uh, and you have to draw that line so so what I have in terms of notes is is first is that once you identify the fact that they they are a narcissist or have narcissistic personality disorder um, you have to understand that they have a disorder and you have to you have to come to terms with that and that usually is pretty quick to happen because you're, you're feeling a certain type of way and you're searching for answers. So once it clicks and you realize that this isn't just that person, that there are many people on the face of this earth that are very similar to this, it, it allows you to kind of step back and then start identifying some of the actions that they're taking, the things that they're doing, uh, and how it's affecting you. Let me stop you for a second there, though. Good luck trying to convince someone with narcissistic personality disorder to accept. Oh, I did not. I did not say that, though. What I said is that once you identify that they have a personality, once you identify that they're a narcissist or have narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder, you have to identify it. I'm not because because, again, that person has you living in the world that they're building for you and confronting somebody with uh, who's a narcissist is incredibly difficult because confronting that person or asking them to change anything is incredibly difficult. See, that could be a vicious cycle too, because I mean, I obviously I accepted it a long time ago, but as I just told you, I'm still dealing with it. I accepted it. And I also accepted that I am not the type of person to be able to deal with that. But I also feel bad because like you guys said in the beginning, um, according to the DSM, I think is what you guys were saying, is that they'll never be able to have real relationships with anyone, including their own family. Like they just, you don't have any genuine real relationships with anyone. And that can lead you, you know, it led me to feel kind of bad because uh, I mean, I cherish my relationship with the ones around me. So thinking that somebody else will never have that is kind of like depressing to think about and to have you feeling bad and then you let them back in a little bit and then they, I don't know like how to say it, but they'll suck the life right out of you. But I think partial reinforcement. I think that's a big, uh, a big part of it is they they do suck the life out of you. Genevieve, I want to, I want to thank you very much for joining us. I want to, I want to kind of get into some of the coping mechanisms and how to deal with that in a second. But I really appreciate you joining and sharing your experience. I wish you luck because it does sound to me like you're you're a bit tied to that uh, situation for for a little while. So (laughs) I I wish you the best luck. And thank uh, you. And hopefully I want to do a bit of a series on narcissism. So um, so thanks, Genevieve. 
yeah, focused entirely you. on myself. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it'll be, I think it'll be really, I think it'll be really beneficial for, uh, for people that are listening uh, in terms of how to deal with narcissists, what exactly narcissist behavior is and how to identify it. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about how to deal with, uh, with narcissistic behavior. Um, because I think either you, ha you're going to decide you got to deal with it and, and stick it out or try to stick it out, or you got to cut ties. Um, all right, hold up one second. I want to message Rush. So what I said a second ago was that first step is identifying it and recognizing it that, uh, that the person you are with or the person you're dealing with, the person you're suspecting of being a narcissist is in fact a narcissist. So we've given you a few of the identifying factors. Link. All right. Sorry. Let's see. So first tip is to not lose focus on yourself. Because what happens a lot of time when you're dealing with a narcissist is that you get sucked into their world. And Genevieve said exactly that. She, and it's really difficult to get separated from that person. So you can't lose track of yourself and what your goals are. And you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself in that relationship. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks for the feedback. Well, uh, I don't know. What more do you want? Um, no, that's, 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 that's it. So uh, don't lose focus on yourself and then set expectations, set expectations for the other person. And you need to understand when you're setting these expectations, if this is something that one, if the expectations are, are reasonable, if that person is able to meet those expectations. Um, and then if that's a relationship that you are willing to, to stick it out, if that person meets those expectations and, you know, what you're expecting to get back from that relationship. Well, Can I, I ask think, you, have you been on. in a relationship with a narcissist? No, close. Mm, okay, you're close. <laughs> but no, you, no, 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 like <laughs> red flag, and you you jumped off board. No, l let me explain why I said what I said. So I dated a girl who was borderline personality disorder. Okay, um, okay. different. Uh, we should very expand, different. We should expand on that. Maybe next episode we can get into different personality disorders. I would love to talk about borderline personality disorder, but whatever yeah. the case is. So I dated a girl with borderline personality disorder for about a year and a half. Relationship ended, and um, a friend of mine from the soccer refereeing community dated a different girl for I don't know how long, but they their relationship ended, and he had a whole bunch of crazy stories about things that happened between him and her. And I knew both of them kind of independent from each other. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was driving up to a soccer game. And it was just her and I in the car. And we had about three hours to kill. So we talked a lot. And she reminded me really, really strongly of the, the girl that I dated. Yeah. And so 
sometime later, I was talking with the guy that was dating her. And he said, he, he was telling a story about her and he was like, you know, she was classic narcissistic personality disorder. And I said, that's not the case. And he says, well, what do you mean? I said, let me tell you about borderline personality disorder. So I pulled up the DSM criteria because that's what I do. I'm data driven. And I read through and for borderline personality, you need to hit five out of the nine. And so we go through all of them. And I'm just like, all right, number one. He's like, yes. Number two, hard yes. Three, four, five. We get like six or seven out of nine. And it was one of those ones where there's a lot of overlap between narcissistic personality disorder and borderline. But well, these, it's, these are personality disorders. So this is somebody who's not on the spectrum of regular. Yeah. Um, but no, I haven't dated anybody with narcissistic personality disorder, but they're really, really close because this guy thought he was dating somebody that was a narcissist, but they and, were borderline. And when I told him, I was like, here's the, here's the real thing that she has. And he's like, holy shit. No, you're right. And then another referee, completely def uh, another referee friend I have that's completely separate from all of this. I was talking to him about it and, and I mentioned her name and he just goes to me and says, She's borderline as fuck. I've never met anybody as much. That's funny. Yeah. As long as, all right. So look. Um, so it's like I, I knew it from having next, dated somebody that I. Next episode, we're going to get into the borderline, the histrionics, the, you know, we'll, we'll get a little deeper into the other stuff. But but right now I want to talk about narcissism and I want to because we're running out of time. I want to throw out there uh, some coping mechanisms and how to deal with with especially if you're with if you're dating someone who's a narcissist. And uh, the set expectations, set your own expectations and then set expectations from them. Uh, not that you're going to ask them to meet anything, but you need to know what to expect from them in your, on, on your own well, self. I feel but, like this is something that can be worked with and coached through. Okay. So, but hear me out. So go ahead. You got to speak up for yourself. You got to uh, be prepared for the consequences and you also have to choose your battles. You don't want to be battling 16 different times a day or six times a day, but you gotta, you gotta stand your ground. And if you're, if you're in a relationship with that person, that this may lead to the deterioration of that relationship, but you have to ask yourself, is that something you're okay with? Are you happy with how the relationship is? Well, uh, narcissistic, narcissistic personality disorder kind of by definition leads to the end of relationships. Well, yeah, and, and that's often the case. And what I was trying to figure out this afternoon is, is can new, two narcissists coexist in a relationship? Oh, the answer is no. Well, the answer could be yes. How? Because, because remember, relationships are very transactional. So these are two I guess people... if you've got an extremely codependent relationship. But these no, but that's the point is that it's not codependent. That these how people are, how in the world could this work? And these people are extracting because they're master manipulators and they're extracting from the relationship exactly what they need to be ex extracting, which is making themselves feel good. Which your debate, the only thing that really doesn't exist is that other person putting you down. But that can exist if you're narcissistic enough to not value the other person's opinion. Oh, completely. And if if it's a status thing, if you have to be with somebody who holds himself at a higher value, this it's, it's a relationship that can actually continue to exist. 
Hold on a second. I gotta, I gotta respond to Genevieve's comment. Narcissists need love too, but but but, but they don't <laughs> need love in the way that people who are not narcissists need love. It, it, it wouldn't self love be enough? No, it's not. All right. So <laughs> here's what I want to get at because we got a few minutes left. But I wanna, I wanna, I wanna talk about some things that can be abusive, whether verbally or emotionally, and. Uh, there's some signs of an abusive relationship when it gets to name calling or insults. I don't think anybody in a relationship should be insulting their partner. Um, no. patr patronizing or public humiliation. Public humiliation is, is a big, that's, that's terrible. Uh, and then yelling or threatening yelling is bad, man. Um, and then certain jealousy and accusations, especially when unwarranted. Some other warning signs to look for in people include look, a little bit of jealousy in a relationship is understandable and normal. It's when it steps out of those bounds. I'm talking a little bit. Well, I think, yeah, I think a little bit of jealousy is good in, in, but again, that person needs to be able to put that in check in their mind. Right, right, right. But I'm saying is like, it has to be a little bit. Exactly. Okay. And then I have uh, some additional warning signs blaming you for everything that goes wrong, monitoring your movements. I don't think there's a warning sign. Somebody's monitoring. That's just movements. an abusive relationship, yeah. straight up. Telling you how you should feel, uh, projecting their shortcomings onto you, denying things that are obvious to you, or gaslighting you, uh, and trivializing your opinions and needs. So that concludes this chapter of the Midnight Society. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, I think this is a really important topic. I think it's important that, that we expose narcissistic behavior. I think narcissism is, is definitely on the rise. And uh, I've already assigned my blame. It's a social media, but I think it's, I think it's way above and beyond social media. I think it's parenting. I think it's our society. I think it's, you know, I think it's our society. What enables all of this? I don't necessarily think that social media enables all. It definitely enables a lot of it on the online realm. But a lot of stuff happens in person, which you can't discount. And believe it or not, people are still communicating and existing in person, despite. I, I've know, yet to see it. <laughs> yeah, despite. I mean, you work from home. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I almost had a meltdown tonight that, that your internet wasn't working. So I can only imagine how you felt. I mean, I'm running off of my cell phone right now. Actually, pretty crystal clear. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I uh, guess. Yeah, I don't know. Invest in T-Mobile, but. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to invest in the rest of this bottle at Glenn Fittich. So, you might as well. But I want to say thank you. I, I see. Uh, let's see. Uh, we should I, thank I, Genevieve for joining us. No, definitely. Thank Thank you, Genevieve, very much. Um, big time. We, we don't get a lot of caller caller in her. So uh, I appreciate that. And I uh, appreciate your contribution and you sharing your story because it's it's very personal. And oftentimes, when you've been with a narcissist, they have put you in a place where you're not you don't have that confidence to share what happened. Um, I, I want to apologize to Jess, who I, uh, I ripped on about her oops colors at, at Home Depot earlier. Um, and uh, and that's all I got for right now. You should paint a room in oops colors. If I, well, you know, I got, 
I'm going to have to go back to uh, Home Depot or Lowe's this, uh, this weekend. I don't have enough. You see how I got the, the paneling behind me? So yeah, it, looks, it still looks like a prison. Yeah, well, if I paint this, it's not so bad, but it's the grooves, and they soak up so much more paint because it's so much additional surface area. So, it, you know, a regular can of paint, a gallon of paint doesn't, doesn't cover as much as, as you would think it would when you're dealing with grooves. you got to paint the grooves first, and then you got to roll the, the rest of the surface, paint in the ass. It still looks like a prison. And by the way, for, the, for those of you who are still listening, if you are brave enough as Genevieve was, we'd love to have you on hear what you have to say. Yeah. Oh, oh shit, we're hitting the, hitting the music. So, but yeah, if you are brave enough to call in, we would love to have you call in. We won't pick on you very much. Um. And uh, and thank you guys for joining us live. You guys are watching after the fact. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. James, I'll see you next time. Cheers. Adios. All right. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, all right. That's it. That's it. I got nothing to say. A little cough. And... Uh, this is, uh, this is the way out. So thanks for joining us tonight. Um, if you don't already, subscribe to the podcast. We always appreciate you subscribers. And uh, don't forget to comment, like, share, whatever it is you do. Interact with the podcast. It'll help us out. And uh, let me know what else you want to hear about. Uh, otherwise, I'll see you next time, and you'll be hearing about uh, what I want to talk about. So see you guys next time. Thanks as always. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.